0: Seven Lamb presents Paralyzed Chapter 7 The Writer Part 1 I never went back to sleep after that dream. I couldn't get the image of Jen out of my mind.
1: And she said don't go? Yeah. Don't go to Leyden Falls?
0: I don't know. I told Roland about my nightmare. She had trouble falling asleep after that. We stayed up talking, but after a couple hours she ended up drifting off. At 7.30 she woke up and we headed for Leyden Falls.
1: If you wanted, you could have stayed at the motel.
0: No. Don't go. To Leyden Falls. Why? Because I'm gonna find something I don't like? What could be worse than what I've already experienced?
1: I just want you to know that if there's ever a time you want out of this, I'll pay for your ticket back home.
0: I've come this far. Okay. We finally passed the city limit sign.
1: At least the rain let up, but I doubt it'll last long.
0: Where are we going first? Roland pulled a notepad from her pocket. She flipped it open. A notepad?
1: I used to have a recorder. Gave up on it. Now going old school pen and paper. Oh. We're going to see a Frank Salas.
0: Who is...
1: Salas lived across the street from Sefton Trust. He saw Trust fall out of the upstairs window.
0: And get impaled.
1: Let's just hope he's home.
0: Roland used the GPS on her phone to find the street Trust used to live on. We found Salas' house and parked.
1: Let me do the talking, okay?
0: I have nothing to say. Hello. The man who answered was tall, built. He wore a dress shirt, slacks, and thin-rimmed glasses.
1: Hello, Mr. Frank Salas? That's right. I'm Detective Emily Rowland. Do you have a few minutes to talk?
2: Is this about the accident at the uh, warehouse?
1: No, this is about an old case. The Sefton Trust murders. Oh. Do you have time?
2: Actually, no. I'm heading to work at the moment.
1: Oh, sorry. I thought it being Saturday we'd be fine.
2: Longer hours since the accident set us back. I work at the warehouse on 7th.
1: Is there a better time?
2: What is this about again? Trust? Yes. That was a while ago.
1: Two years.
2: Hmm. Okay. Well, i rather not be late today. Can we do this later?
1: We'll be in town all day, so yes, that'll be fine.
2: If you want, you're welcome to come to the warehouse around 1. That's when I take a lunch. We can talk then.
1: We don't want to bother you at work.
2: That wouldn't be a problem. Most deliveries are out by then.
1: Okay, 1 o'clock. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Big warehouse on 7th. And Corp. You'll see it.
0: Roland wrote it down in her notepad, and we took off. at his house
1: 1308 yeah yeah that's it how'd you know
0: the steel gate next door that's where he died right yeah you think the people living there now know what happened
1: maybe maybe they got a good deal on it I'm surprised to see the house even sold
0: where to now the husband
1: no not yet
0: Roland jumped on her phone
1: Casey, yeah, wanted to know if you made the appointment. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Leyden Falls now. That's fine. What time? Okay, that works. Thanks again, and remember. No, I just. just felt like I should stress it again. Thanks, Casey. Take care.
0: Roland pocketed her phone. And that was?
1: A favor done by a friend. We're heading to Roxanne's.
0: And she is?
1: A diner. We're going to the diner to meet up with a cop, one of the first to arrive on the scene.
0: I thought this whole thing had to be on the down low.
1: It is. A friend of mine in Tampa made a call and was able to convince this Joel Cantor's to meet with us.
0: How'd your friend pull that?
1: She's a smooth talker, and she didn't need to run it by the captain.
0: Didn't need to, or just
1: didn't do it? Does it matter? It's done. This Joel filled out the reports. And since I wouldn't be able to check files here in town unless I had authorization, this is our best chance.
0: Can't you check crime records online?
1: Phew, but Cantor's was there. Let's see what info we can get from him.
0: We made it to the diner around 10 and had to wait over 30 minutes for Joel Cantor's to show. I ordered an omelet and a glass of orange juice. Before I ate, I swallowed two Tylenol. When Cantor's did show, he wasn't in uniform. He wore a sports coat and jeans. His five o'clock shadow and disheveled hair made me believe that he had the day off.
2: Detective Emily Rowland?
1: Yes, and this is my partner, David Summers. Hmm. Partner?
2: I got word you were wanting to talk to me about the Septon Trust murders.
1: That's right. Joel
0: pulled up a chair and sat. May I ask
2: why?
1: The incident was very similar to an incident that happened in Rutherford, a small town in Florida.
2: Oh, and that brings you here? Yes. Why?
1: As I said, it's a very similar case.
2: It was murder. There are a lot of murders.
1: Not like this one. And you know that. Hello, Joel. The usual?
2: No, Beth, sweetie. Just a coffee. Black. You got it. I know that it wasn't a usual murder, but in many cases like this you can find uh, similarities and make them up.
1: I'm not making them up.
2: Not saying you are, but it does happen.
1: You don't seem to be too enthused to be here.
2: I'm not. I'm out of work. My daughter ditched class yesterday to smoke pot with her friends. And I'm in the midst of a divorce. Oh, and my cable's out. Anything else you want to
1: talk about? Wait a second. You're out of work? Yeah, that's right. Thought you were still with the Leyden Falls Police Department.
2: Nah, too many call-outs. I'd like to blame the wife and kid, but I wouldn't want to be an asshole, now would I...
1: Well, I'm glad you decided to see me.
2: I didn't really want to, and honestly, I don't know if I should. Why is that? Some shit with the captain, but hell, I don't fucking owe him anything anymore, right?
1: If you feel uncomfortable... I don't know. Just
2: tired. What do you want to know?
1: Anything and everything. Start from the beginning.
0: And Joel did. Once the waitress brought him his coffee.
2: Thank you, Beth. Sefton Trust and his wife, Anna, were having problems. Started about a year or so before the incident. Domestic disputes, police called at the house all the time. Usually, the neighbors would call.
1: Disputes or physical violence?
2: Disputes that usually turned into violence. Six months before the incident, the fights were getting worse, louder. Eventually, we had to take somebody in. It was an easy choice, though, when we went down there and saw the bruises on her arm. We just took him in right there.
1: Was that the only time he was arrested?
2: For domestic abuse, yes. I think he had a DUI a few years before that, but other than that, clean.
1: So he did end up hitting her.
2: Didn't deny it either. That wasn't the only time, though. Uh, When Anna filled out the statement, she also wrote down that there were several other times that he would be sleepwalking, and she would wake him, and he would literally slug her. Really? Roland scribbled in her notepad. sleepwalking was becoming a bigger thing and she thought that maybe he was drinking again maybe that had something to do with the night walks and his temperament
1: how was his demeanor when he was arrested
2: the day of the domestic violence wasn't there
1: what happened with his arrest
2: Anna dropped the charges he stayed in three days and was forced to take drug and alcohol tests she was handed a pamphlet for domestic violence counseling but I don't think she went but here's where it gets crazy The cops were called several more times after that day, and instead of arresting him, which they should have, they ended up just dishing out noise complaint warnings.
1: He never hit her again?
2: If he did, she never reported it.
1: They should have taken him in, though. After a domestic violence arrest, you get several more calls.
2: Right. Instead, at his hearing, the judge ordered him to counseling.
1: Counseling?
2: Apparently. Then a week or two after that, Anna leaves.
1: And goes where?
2: Straight up leaves leaves Sefton and leaves her daughter.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Domestic violence, cops frequently called, obviously a troubled marriage, and she just disappears? How do you not take him in at that point?
2: Almost did, but we called her parents. She shows up at the house, stays two nights, didn't tell her parents anything, then up and leaves the house the next day. They think she went north, maybe Canada.
1: Again, how?
2: He had an alibi and law enforcement talked to her days after she left. She didn't say much. Something about being done and that he needed help.
1: How did she just leave her daughter like that? Sick, right? Jesus.
2: Roland set her notepad down.
1: Timetable?
2: Oh, shit, I don't know. A few months before the incident?
1: What about the drug testing? Alcohol? Nada. What about the daughter? What about her? Any bruising?
2: Nah, but child services was called. Didn't take the daughter, but threatened.
1: Okay, so his wife leaves. It's just him and his daughter for a few months, and...
2: And nothing. Not a peep. Until... Until the night he finally loses it. Guess those visits to the shrink didn't help. He shoots his daughter. The next-door neighbor's in their backyard, then walks back the other way, breaks and enters into another home, and kills an old woman. Scuffling with her husband, has them crashing out a second-story window, and bam! He lands on the fence. I showed up about four minutes after that. He was dead on arrival.
1: You go into his house?
2: Of course I did. I knew he had a daughter. I ran inside. Found her in the bed. Bullet hole in the temple. I stopped eating.
1: How did the house look?
2: A few broken glasses in the kitchen, but... The real odd thing was the writing on the wall. What? Roland and I shared a look. What was that look?
1: Just, uh... Uh...
2: Correlation with your girl from...
1: Rutherford. Yes. What did it say?
2: It didn't say anything. He just wrote the number 13 a couple hundred times on the wall. Hey, I'm going to go get some fresh air.
0: I couldn't handle it anymore. I needed to take a break. I went outside and took in the nice weather. It wasn't as cold as I thought it would be for Massachusetts in November. It had to be in the mid-60s. I walked around the diner and took a seat at a bus stop bench. First the lady in Rutherford and now this... writer? It was pretty clear what my path was. But how much time did I have? A breeze wafted by and I shivered. I looked down at my arms. I pulled back my sleeves and looked at my bandaged wrists. That's when a moth landed on my hand. My heart pounded. I started to breathe heavier. My chest hurt, my head hurt. I looked across the street. There, in a patch of shrubs, near a leafless tree stood the Shadow Man. What do you want? (sighs) What do you want from me? I started walking toward the street. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? David! I turned around to see Roland.
1: What are you doing?
0: I walked back over to the bench and sat. The Shadow Man was gone. David. Forget this. I want to go home. Paralyzed Written and edited by Robert M. Lamb Starring Robert M. Lamb As David Amy LeRae As Roland Co-starring Jack Austin Kaylin Boyd Ashley Cardasano Victor M. Anthony Grimm Megan Austin Jay Moron, Ryan Wiggs And Ariel Zadok Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Dylan Mixer of DMixMusic.com If you enjoy Paralyzed, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. This has been a 7 Lamb Production.